1: Hello and welcome to episode 92 of the world's first Paul Weller fan podcast. I'm Dan Jennings and 10 years ago I gave up my live stream and career as a radio presenter with one big regret, never getting to interview my hero, the legendary British musician Paul Weller. This podcast exists purely to solve that issue. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Paul. In this episode, I'm joined by another brilliantly talented individual. This time, it's the turn of Scottish singer-songwriter Dots Allison. We talk about her collaboration with Paul Weller at the end of the noughties, recording of blackbound Studio, a.k.a. Weller HQ, and her return to music via an incredible album, Heart-Shaped Scars, the sleeve notes for which thank Mr. Weller himself. We'll find out why. So let's get into it. Dot Allison, thanks for joining me. How are you?
0: Hi, I'm good, thank
1: you. How are you? I'm very well. Where in the world do we find you? I'm guessing north of the border.
0: Yes, I'm in Edinburgh.
1: Oh, lovely part of the world. What, yeah. a, what a city.
0: I lived in London for 20 years, actually, um, but then just moved back seven years ago. So yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I, I, I'm a sort of adopted Londoner
1: as well. So looking forward to chatting with you about all of your connections with Paul, your career, your music, which is fabulous as well. So first of all, let's kick it off as it's the Paul Weller Fan Podcast. When was it that you first became aware of the music of Paul Weller? Would it have been the jam, the Style Council solo?
0: It would have been the jam. Although I guess when the jam started out, I would have been under 10. So it was just like my awareness of pop music. And yeah, so it, would have, it was it was the jam. It was the jam. Yeah.
1: You weren't a 10 year old punk though, right?
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean um, yeah I guess I've been aware of him ever since although I was really struck by his solo albums actually although I had some of his music on vinyl it was when he put out the Paul Weller Paul Weller album I actually heard of it was a remix of Cosmos by Brendan Lynch I think it was called Lynch Beat Bonus Mix or something like that um, and that really struck me in the 90s so it's like I'd love to The jam and the style council for that style council with then It kind of like, I was sort of lapel grabbed by his solo music as well.
1: Love it. We're going to hear about, obviously, your connections with Paul and working with Paul throughout this as well. Am I right in thinking that you, in terms of your own music, you come from a really musical family. Would that be right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, My mum was the head of music at a school in Edinburgh, and my aunt was a cellist and a music teacher. They're retired now. So, yeah, I guess when I was a child, we always had a couple of pianos in the house. One was... Like they were both slightly battered, actually uprights. And then there was like my mum would like brought a guitar back home, and then at one point a drum a drum kit appeared. You know. <laughs> There's always like little quarters <laughs> lying around. But I, although it's funny, I think for my mum, because she was teaching music and kind of, I guess, making making a noise, a musical sound all day. So when she came in, I think it was probably a bit of a sort of busman's holiday to then put on music. So I seem to remember I would be playing music in my room, but my mum would be like, kind of, you know, just <laughs> probably needing a bit of peace, to be honest. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't like... Yeah, I mean, I got introduced to quite a lot of music by my family, but in the house, it was more like classical albums. And then my dad introduced me to more of, pop I guess and you know old rock and roll and yeah sort of early pop and then my aunt gave me a stack of records in my teens that she'd listened to when she was in her teens and that was like Sandy Shaw, Marvin Gaye, The Temptations, Dusty Springfield, Vertigo Compilation and uh, Roy Orbison and then I've got a twin brother and he I think he had a really good taste in music actually.
1: I hadn't realised you were one of the twins because Paul's got twins as well hasn't he?
0: yes. Yes, yeah. that's right.
1: So, is that yes. something you've talked about at all? Is that something you touched on?
0: Um, well, I've met one of his little boys. Um, we had no. I don't think I've spoken too much about being a twin myself. I maybe mentioned it, but yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. okay. Um, and then your musical career—this wasn't the initial plan, was it? You kind of, I guess, you kind of stumbled into this, or because at one point you were a chemical engineering student. So, I'm guessing you were thinking you were going in a completely different direction than music, right?
0: Yeah, I think I think I hadn't found uh, without sounding sort of a bit naff and self-healthy I don't think I'd kind of find myself in a way like because I think I remember when I was choosing my Exams at school. I was like, I'm going to do English and art, but then I'm also going to do sciences because I don't really know what I want to do, and you know. And then uh, you know, I had a certain, I guess, propensity for science. Like my dad was a biochemist, actually. So some of it when I was growing up, he would take me for and my twin and mum, but we'd all go on family forest walk or whatever, and he'd be talking about some of the plants with like the genus and the species, and you know, like so it was kind of in my. DNA a wee bit to be certainly into nature and also sort of into the biology and botany. He was a botanist. It wasn't until I started studying biochemistry that I even learned that biology is like, ology is like the study and bio is life. It's like the study of life. I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I know <laughs> But no, but I've always kind of, I guess, been interested in that. So I kind of thought I'll leave that open. And I didn't know if I wanted to do, I was like, I don't know, like psychiatry. I did my work experience at Royal Edinburgh and I read this book called The Janine Quadruplets in my teens and I read The Divided Cell, R.D. laying So I was quite interested in the mind and, and the space between people and science and nature and all that from, from quite early on. But then I was always musical, so I was always like playing the piano. But it was almost like, it's funny because having a mum who, who made a career out of music, but as a teacher, it was like, it just almost didn't occur to me that that could be like a job, job to a degree. I don't know. It's funny. But then or maybe I thought it could be, but not for me or something. So I always kind of kept those options open. And then, yeah, when I was a biochemistry student, then we I, I met up with the guys in One Dove and one of them engineered in the studio in Glasgow. And we used to go in in the studio dead time and make music and and then kind of did decided to put out our own record. And that's yeah. how that started.
1: Right, interesting. Well, look, and I would say the rest is history, but my goodness me, what an amazing catalogue of music from that initial one dub stuff to your debut album to um so after glow to We Are Signs. Beautiful music that you've produced. I'm gonna spend a lot of this chat talking about your latest album because um it's an incredible piece of work and I don't without wishing Aww. to embarrass you, but wow, what a remarkable piece of work. But let's take the little journey to get there. I think I'm right insane. I think the first time that I really became aware of you would have been through a link with Mr. Weller. It was an album death in vegas this would have been like 2002 i think the third album by death in vegas scorpio rising An Absolute Corker. And it's really interesting because Paul Weller's there, track eight, So You Say You Lost Your Baby. And then straight after an original track from you, Richard Fearless, Tim Holmes, called Diving Horses, which is brilliant. So I love the fact that you're connected, the two of you together. So tell me about that. I mean, obviously, there there are two separate tracks, but the fact that you're both on the same album was brilliant.
0: Actually, it was Weatherall introduced me to Gene Clark first, and I loved... I love I love Gene because I think he wrote that, didn't he? And um, this is where the fact that I'm not a transporter is really evident. <laughs> I love Gene Clark. Did he write that? But no, I yeah, I really, really love Gene Clark and um and that particular song as well. Weatherall had put that on tape for me years before Paul covered it on the Death right. of Vegas ah, right. album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that yeah, I guess that's when our paths sort of crossed, although we didn't meet at that point. But I guess he would have been He'd aware of me, maybe if he well, maybe he was before from One dove, but
1: yeah, and then, and then Richard, the guy behind that, Richard Fearless, also who works with you on your debut album as well. He also, remix Paul yeah. as well. There's a track called Super Lecker Stone that you remixed for Paul. So, there's these kind of connections uh-huh. as we go through, but I want to talk about yeah. you know, 15 years of music releases behind you. We have this wonderful album, Room Seven and a Half, and you're moving away from that kind of electronica sound that had made you famous and to this much more stripped back guitar sound. How did the collaboration? with paul coming back and am i thinking he texted you completely out of the blue yeah he did
0: um i was with my mom and i used to live in dalston in london and i was with my mom and i just suddenly <laughs> I suddenly got this text i mean like we did you know i didn't have his number or anything it was just like completely <sighs> out of the blue and it just said um oh hi i'm um, it's paul weller i'm with bobby gillespie I hope you don't like don't you know he says you're good should we write a song together wow. <laughs> I like, oh i know and i i i am sure i've told Paul this but i said to my mom i think somebody's winding me up like i honestly thought that can't be paul well <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be paul well, well, well now
1: you just think that's a spam text wouldn't you and you probably just delete it right somebody somebody trying to no. hack your account yeah <laughs>
0: yeah so looking for your bank details at the end yeah yeah, right? yeah. yeah no i was really shocked and really blown away and, and excited and slightly nervous. And, you know, because even though we'd been on an album together, I think I'm quite shy. So I was like, I wanted to do it and then thought, oh God, I hope I didn't sort of embarrass myself. <laughs> but no, no, it was, it was really lovely. So then he said that he had a song that he wanted to kind of continue working on and we'd like to write on it to help complete it called Love's Got Me Crazy. And so then we ended up kind of like texting ideas. And so it was like we decided to sort of nail a few ideas via text kind of like com- You know, I guess I think this happens quite a lot where people kind of get the bones of something. And then once you're happy that you've got a bit of a direction for something, then you would meet up in person and sort of finish it, you know, and that's what we did. So it was like a few texts. It was lovely. He actually he wrote a letter and sent it with a sort of explanation of, you know, the sort of plans for this for, for the collaboration and then. Obviously, I had the song, you know, version of, and then we sent a few texts about. I think it was more like just finishing the lyrics and and duetting. So yeah, and then once we got a few lines that we were happy with over text, then he said we oh, should come down to that barn and and we'll kind of you know finish it there and, and record it. And that's what we did. So yeah, it was Brilliant.
1: cool. I've just been watching the um, the Beatles documentary, the Get Back thing. That's how I visualise music being made, where it's everybody in a room and you're bouncing ideas off each other. The fact that technology can do that, you can make that over text, is remarkable.
0: It It was more like finalising a few lines so that you're not... I think the worst thing for me certainly is when you are in a room and you can't always predict how a writing session will go, obviously. Mm. So I suppose it's like you're not going in with like kind of blank sheet-itis, if you know what I mean. It's quite nice to just have a rough idea of where it's going and then you're like right let's let's write this thing you know um so yeah it was kind of the rudiments of something and then but I actually co-wrote with Hal David you know Bert Bacharach's lyricist right? yeah yeah and because I I asked him to write with me like in the in the 90s and we we co-wrote over fax first (laughs) it was that time (laughs) it's very sort of like yeah um so and it was interesting because it's funny how the process can be so strange because he asked me to write some dummy lines because I'd written the music and he was writing the lyrics and he was like, oh, I'm just stuck on this line. Can you write me some dummy lines? And then that might trigger something. So I did and faxed them. <laughs> and then he was like, thank you. Good. Right. We're off. But it just seems to be a way that, yeah. that can work, you know.
1: That's brilliant. And um, I mean, I talked to um, Chris Difford on the podcast and with Squeeze, they had a very different setup where Chris would write the lyrics and then he'd send them in the post to Glenn mm-hmm. and Glenn Silver, and then Glenn would write the music. And you were like, that seems like such... I mean, obviously everybody has their own way of working and their own ways of doing things, but yeah, creating a song on facts and text is, is brilliant. The nature of
0: songwriting itself... I find so sort of um it is literally the possibilities are literally infinite so it's kind of like even within the canon of one person I think you can have like so many different ways of writing a song like it's not even as if I go I'm always going to write like that it's just a coalescence and I think that that coalescence can happen in a a load of different ways and yeah it's just sort of feeling about in the dark for coordinates that you don't, that may or may not be there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I guess also from Paul's point of view, if you've been doing this, I mean, now it's 45 years since he had that first record deal with Polydor. You want to constantly be trying new things, doing things as much for yourself, if anything else, like doing things in different ways, I guess. Of
0: course, totally. I mean, I think um, it's, I guess, life itself is kind of like an evolutionary kind of a thing where you hopefully I, it's a I guess a growth isn't it and so I suppose as a writer or as a as an artist I don't want to just reinvent the same wheel all the time you know you want to sort of kind of flourish in all uh, different directions and I guess you maybe find over the years that you've got strengths but there might be lots of different ways that the strengths can kind of or do, sort of sonic kind of I don't mm. know fingerprints that can kind of express something but you can yeah you can still hear that and in, in obviously in Paul's canon of work that's like so sort of um diverse
1: this track in particular did you know what it was going to be for where it was going to go
0: no it didn't um i think he was just doing a lot of writing and yeah and then it it found its home in my album but it's just i think that's the thing is when you're writing something you almost just don't I, i think it's quite good in a way not to have some sort of prescriptive plan for something you can hope for something but then it's weird without well certainly I can speak for myself With my own albums like I start with a batch of songs and I think this is the album and then due to the, the nature of creativity that the ideas always keep surfacing and and kind of I use that word coalescing but for me that's what it feels like but then suddenly it's like you know six months down the line three songs that you thought were absolute no-brainers for, for an album project suddenly don't fit you know yeah, right. and it's like that just suddenly seems really alien with where the direction's gone or your headspace changed and so the sound has changed and then they're alien for that reason or do you know what i mean it's funny it's like you don't know till you get there i always think it's like driving with kind of dipped headlights it's like you kind of know where you're headed but you can just see as far as the legs take you at that point and then do you know what I mean and then yeah, you get there yeah. Oh, so this is ended up, Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I um, love it. Love like, it that's yeah. weird.
0: I had a map for a different city, but anyway, that's fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the um the other thing I don't know if you know, so this was um Paul Weller's Twenty-Two Dreams. This was the deluxe version that I'm holding up here. Yeah. And on their side two, we had like some demos and we had a few remixes and bits and bobs. Um, and then there was a version which was him and I think it's Hannah. He's Hannah, well. yeah. Different lyrics as well. So
0: Yes. Was that pre-existed the one that right. we so that was the original think...
1: the original version right the...
0: that was the, an okay. earlier yeah an earlier version yeah absolutely
1: one thing I wanted to ask you about was collaboration so you mentioned how David earlier on but there's been a lot of across your career which are really really standout moments people like massive attack Pete Doherty, Scott Walker like big names and stuff I mean presumably collaborating with people is something you enjoy
0: yeah I'm um, I feel a bit of a free agent in a way like I just like I guess it's just a sort of experimentation thing that can happen when you're working with, with someone that obviously wouldn't happen if you're sitting on your own. And it's not to say that that has more or less value. It's just different. Do you know what I mean? And I think perhaps because I'm a twin, I'm I'm not bad at sort of teaming up. You know, I'm not bad at kind of, I think it's just my nature is to twin in that sense. like I'm Mm. quite, I think I'm okay with, I hope I'm okay with collaboration. Don't go away going, oh my God, I'd never work with her again. No. (laughs) I've not heard that, no. (laughs) No, no, no. I wonder if being a twin is sort of part of that, but I just like the sort of different melting pot of ideas that you get with another Another brain on things, or you might go off tangent, off on tangents that you wouldn't maybe have found yourself. And then there's something lovely, obviously, about a pure process of writing as well. But I, I think you've got to let the song win. If you try and sort of park your own, I don't know, like need for your idea to be. The one at the door and do what's best for the song that's what I find works it's not often that I start off on my own and then think oh I have to bring somebody in it's quite often I just like the idea of working with someone and then see where it goes you know Um yeah. so it's something quite kind of like having the accountability as well of working with someone that I quite like but I think I'm much better than I used to be at that
1: and how did you find the Black Barn experience how did you find so when you get in that room with Paul and you're making that music together face to face how was how did that compare to those others you've mentioned there or that I've mentioned there and, and what was the studio like and all
0: that obviously it's a fantastic studio with, like you know amazing like um vintage gear and bit of a trove of amazing kind of but you would you know of course like you, you you just collect your sound I guess don't you and mm. from a sort of you know equipment tech point of view I you know it's obviously a really beautiful studio what I found really notable was how kind of human and lovely and sort of down to earth and real everyone was actually. And I, I I really mean that, you know, like I went in being quite shy, being quite nervous, to be honest, you know, because I'm not one of those people that's sort of hugely, I don't know, alpha, if that makes sense. Missouri,
1: you've only been texting to this point. Is this your first meeting when you end up going into black? Yeah. Say, yeah, right. Okay.
0: Exactly. So yeah. sort of like, but anyway, so it was so lovely that they're just, in my opinion, really lovely people, you know, so that really made it, Easier, a really nice vibe, and yeah, we just sat. I remember we sat in the control room and finished writing the song, and his team were there, and you know, just finished it. And then there was one line at the end of the song that we were sort of like, maybe, maybe. Anyway, so we finished writing it and then um, recorded it together. And it was like when you're both in the live room, completely kind of in the moment. So it's not like overdubbing, and do you know what I mean? It's kind of like a real performance, and that was pretty mind blowing for me to be sitting beside Pauls just singing together you know and being uh, being recorded simultaneously kind of thing and so yeah i mean it's just an amazing an amazing experience but but made easier by them you know the guys and Steve Craddock and I mean they're just they're just sound you know so um yeah it was really really nice and uh, I seem to remember learning actually from Paul about songwriting because he was searching for perfection in this one line that we were not entirely sure that it was nailing it as much as it needed to and then we ended up rewriting the last line and improving it that's what I like about collaborating as well is because you sort of you always learn stuff you know or I do anyway
1: yeah just not settling and kind of you're fully satisfied yeah
0: yeah and also what being quite important was the um, the way the word scanned with the melody and stuff like that and I was like oh yeah no, of course that." and then thinking of like say I don't know that's entertainment or yeah. one of those songs it's like yeah of course that's really locked like that makes total sense do you know what I mean yeah. or you can see how this really locks and that's what part of the power of the of the, sort of where it lands this chorus or, do you know what I mean so it's kind of like that was a good learning curve for me and you know to be like oh yeah no I want to think about that and
1: future you know so now i have to say i mean such an enjoyable experience that it's then a massive gap between that and your next album Mm -hmm. and it it makes me laugh because when you read articles about the the new album and and it's got you know amazing reviews and we'll talk about that and a sec, but they often talk about you having a break it's like oh she's she's been having a break for the last like nine years and not doing much it's Mm -hmm. like no you went and had a family right that's the opposite of having a break (laughs) (laughs) no that's right that's right. It's hardly a rest, is it? It's not like you had your feet no. up doing nothing.
0: Busy doing, yeah, just very busy doing other things, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But, what was it that made you want to come back with this this album? And at one point I, I read somewhere that you were kind of, a, you didn't think you'd come back to music.
0: Yeah, I didn't. I, having a family and that being my absolute priority, to be available for my children, basically, and my family, you know, my husband, but just being a mum. And I remember kind of thinking... I don't know, it was weird. It was like I kind of weaned myself off. Sorry, just using the word wean. But, you know, like, almost like I found it a little bit difficult at first, but then to not do anything at all. No, that's not actually true. I would say when, when my kids were about two or three, I noticed I was missing doing a wee bit of writing. And I did like, the odd day of songwriting like one day. But then I found I really was um struggling not nice. being with them even for that time. So then I thought, oh that's not gonna work. I need to take five years off. Anyway, so I remember I was kind of working with a publishing company just round the corner from Blackburn, actually funnily enough, our songwriting place called Metrophonic. And I remember saying to the gentleman, Brian, that runs that that I'll probably have to take more time. I find it really hard from an emotional point of view to kind of switch off and go into a completely different part of London when my kids were really young. So I just stopped. I, I, obviously, I'm not in the early stages of their life. I wasn't doing any of that. But even when they were like three, I sort of thought, oh, no, I'm not quite. I just, it's me. I'm not ready. I yeah. not they are. I'm yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, they're so I, fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're probably absolutely fine. Yeah, there was a couple of times when I was actually quite upset. <laughs> quite, so, quite upset driving back in the car. And I was like, no, I'm not ready for this. So anyway, so I just thought, I'll just take a bit more time off. And then we ended up moving up to Edinburgh and I thought, God, have I kind of like just stopped without kind of thinking that I am stopping. But it's weird. It's like, I'm just thinking of like shoots around concrete. It just finds its way. So like I ended up Playing music up here with friends. I've, my old school friends are up in the island. We've got a cottage on a little island in the Inner Hebrides, and that's a very musical scene. There's like folk nights on, on the island, and my friend's son's a folk musician. There's just a pop, like a quite a network of folk musicians on the west coast and in Edinburgh as well. So I ended up meeting a friend through my friend Amy Bowman, who I could duet on the haunted with, and seeing. A, I heard her voice. I was like, oh my god, your voice is. St- Dunning, do you fancy playing together or doing something? And she was like, Yeah, why not? You know, um, so I said I said, I've got these chords and a poem. So I gave her the chords to the haunted and opened my computer and the poem was like fully formed. She did most of the melody, like Mm -hmm. 90 odd percent. And then I we sang it together and sort of embellished it together and stuff. But and then once I'd written that, I remember thinking, Oh god, I kind of want to do more now. And my kids are a bit older now, so I was sort of like in that headspace of being able to to do that so that that was the beginning of it was right. just doing it and then thinking oh i kind of want to do something with this i think some i think i should do something with this song and that's how it came about that i was like oh am i making an album i think i'm
1: making what an album it is i mean I, i've got it here it's the only i you what it's unique in my oh. collection it's the only one that i've got that's got green vinyl you can get more obviously all colors these days right oh, yes, yes, um, yes 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 and there are Weller connections with it as well. So we should talk about that as we talk through the album. Am I yeah, right in thinking around the time that you started making the album, there was a reconnection with Paul at Black Barn as well?
0: Yeah, it's funny because um, it, it was in 2018, the summer. It was like July or something. I had this thing of like, oh, I should reach out to people that I haven't spoken to. And actually I texted Paul. I texted a few people that I had kind of drifted Oh, and not that I was closely in touch with Paul, but we were in touch. Actually, I should say that after um, we recorded Love's Got Me Crazy, in those sessions, he very, very, very kindly said, if you wanted to do an album, you can use... When I'm on the road, I'd much rather the studio do... was turning and not kind of literally mm. gathering dust. So I think he quite likes, it's like, keep the heartbeat going of the studio and he's not there kind of a thing. And um, so he offered for me to do Room Seven and a Half. In that studio, right. which I did, Paul being so kind to sort of offer that, so yeah, it's mental, so we'd been in touch around me doing the album in there anyway, so we'd been talking about that, and um so and then that was the last i'd kind of spoken to Paul was around me going into Blackburn and working and stuff when he was away, and then so I reached out to him in twenty eighteen around summer and then that's we were sort of back in touch so that
1: was nice 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 well, did he invite, just invite you down to Black Barn to meet up for a cup of tea, or yeah
0: he was just like oh nice how's family and you know nice to be back in touch and if you're in London you know catch up and so I did and yeah he was doing a gig at um, the Union Chapel it was like a charity night so I went down to that and that's when I met his wee boy and um, he was doing like an, it was when it was around True Meanings which I absolutely adore that album such a beautiful album, so he was, did a few songs from that at the union chapel and that was that was the first time we met up with him after that big gap so
1: yeah. Right, brilliant. Okay. Well, you've mentioned True Meaning. So let's get into this. This is, so what was it last summer? Was it July time last year? Heart Shaped Scars, your first album in well over a decade. So I've got so many questions about this. I mean, first of all, did it feel like you kind of picked up where you left off? You mentioned this gap and this kind of, you know, did it feel like suddenly you're back in the, I, I don't know, whether you're know, back in the music industry and this business and stuff, or was it all on your own terms?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny because <laughs> I came back saying I'm not doing any press, I'm not doing a gig. I'm not doing any of it. And I have actually, I've done press and I've agreed to do a gig.
1: So
0: <laughs> <laughs> almost like, I kind of like...
1: You're full of it.
0: <laughs> no, but I, I do struggle really badly with like performance. I will be gripped with fear. I mean, I'm I'm more doing it because I feel I should do it rather than, you know. But it's like, I'm I'm trying to be... I'm trying to be a bit braver than I was when I started back making music, if you know what I mean? Cause at the yeah. beginning I was like, right, oh, that's it. I'm just going to put it out and not do anything. And then it's probably me being a bit codependent. I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like I, I think I, I think I owe it to. People that have bought it to to do it, you know what I mean?
1: Like I, just I think, think also so. you owe it you owe it to the record as well because it's a yes. it needs yes. to be heard. It's a terrific piece of work.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you. I know I don't know why I'm so shy performing. It's just my makeup, but. I know that if I do it, it will get easier. So that's why I've agreed to do it. And it's just, Sorry. I think it's the block after having a bit of a gap, but people do get over these things.
1: <laughs> to get over on the album, there are special thanks to Paul Weller, one of the many mm-hmm. people mentioned. Um, why did he get called out on this album?
0: Well, he suggested I work with Hannah Peel, actually. And then I realised, because I was saying I'm not, really much for transport, really. But then I realised I love her arrangements because they're on true meanings, you know. So it's like, oh, no, that makes complete sense. So he just said, oh, you should check in with Hannah. She's amazing. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, she is amazing. No, like I, I already love her work, I realised. So I contacted her and it was, yeah, it was on Paul's recommendation. And um, yeah, I just think she's incredibly talented and she's so lovely. And I was just made up. that Because basically the songs that she arranged on were they just existed as me on ukulele with voice when I sent her those versions of them so I was really thrilled when she got back and she was like oh these are really beautiful definitely you know do something and
1: I was still with them in nice well she's another I mean, she's been on the podcast Hannah's another super talent I mean just yeah I knew that she do- yeah that's yeah. right
0: that's right. yeah she was her- so good. I mean that was
1: her- one of my yeah one of my favorite podcasts because I, I entered her studio there was us her on zoom us on zoom you know and you could see this is where the magic happened it was just fascinating she's, yeah brilliant yeah. but and then there's Fiona as well so Fiona Cruikshank, who's who's a producer who's who's worked as string engineer for Coldplay, but also for Paul Weller. So another connection on your album too.
0: Yes, absolutely. And Fee just came recommended by uh, a mutual friend who's just saying like one of the best engineers in london Fiona creepshank and then it was just purely by chance she also happened to work
1: with paul and it was like she might work with you before she worked with paul i think because it was on the sunset yeah, I, think it?
0: yeah. She, I seem to remember it was around that time she was like guess who i was talking to <laughs> you know <laughs> but yeah 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 but she's she's brilliant i mean she's her email just popped up actually no she's she's absolutely brilliant and we're going to work together in the future again so yeah
1: so it took me through this album. So, um, I'm going to read a couple of the reviews, folks, as well. Cause this was on all at the end of last year. This was on all of the best of year lists. Amazing reviews. Everybody loved it, which must be really satisfying right. when your work goes out there and. People enjoy what you do, right? An album of quiet delights is one of them. An elegantly understated comeback, a thing of magical soap bubble delicacy, closer to ambient folk than the electronica with which she made her name. There's another one that said honeysuckle, like a flower blooming out of concrete, which I thought those. I mean, uh, these are just uh, terrific. Yeah. If the album were to have a theme, for me, it's it's one of those albums, and it's similar. It reminds me of Hannah's album from last year as well. It's headphones on. It's you on your own. It's you. It's it's as much mindfulness as it is anything else to me it's like you just it's just calm and it's like oh this is so lovely <laughs> it just takes you takes you away yeah. from the chaos of our bloody lives was that the
0: intention yeah do you know I, I i consciously wanted it to feel like an embrace like a containing kind of embrace feeling of an album and a bit of a cry from nature as well mm. it's interesting to think of humans as it's like human supremacy I mean, we talk about other types of supremacy, but actually I was thinking recently about, like, say, with what's going on in Ukraine and the threat of some sort of nuclear disaster and thinking, why is it that human beings think we have the right to just completely, like, create a barren dust for other species, you know, bad mm-hmm. for our own, of course. But there's all these other species that don't have any say. So I suppose there's a bit of me feels like... um The planet's kind of crying out for like, just stop deforesting. Even, I suppose, even with electric cars, it's like the amount of forests that get flattened to make wood pellets, to make electricity, to fuel these electric cars. And then you've got these ecosystems that are so sort of um, incomprehensibly beautifully complex, kind of interconnected systems in nature just get nuked. And they're like, have taken like hundreds, thousands of years to form. And why do humans think it's okay for us to just go, you know? There is a bit of me, it's just like, if I, as a human, can somehow express something that we might make us think about that even if it's like now in an interview it doesn't even need to be like literally like this mm. sort of lyric of the le- record or something but then I would want to do my little bit to say that you know and um and I suppose there's a heartbreak in the album but I think it's a also a symbolism for in a way this sort of heartbreak of what's happening to this planet. I, I remember listening to Nico an Philosopher and he was talking about the murder of a planet. I was like, yeah, it's a living thing. It's like mm, we're murdering yeah, it. Yeah, Stop. Yeah. That's all stuff that's sort of in my mind while I'm writing. No, kind of what they sort of take the form of your traditional sort of song structures and concepts or whatever. But actually, there's a I guess there's a sort of, um, yeah, there's a bigger picture that feels like it within my concept behind it or whatever. That I was thinking it's sort of quite nice to have something that's kind of an embrace and a tonic an
1: appeal almost as well it was interesting that first lockdown we had in when would it be march 2020 and and actually i remember reading an interview paul talking about something similar where it was like you got the sense then when we're all locked in we can't drive anywhere It was almost like nature suddenly then started repairing itself and suddenly you you know the birds were tweeting more than ever before it was kind of so you kind of realize you know once we've screwed it up undoubtedly we're going to um they will return because do you know what I mean the the nature will kind of heal itself the planet will heal itself it's just we're too idiotic to realise that actually we should be doing more to save it right now
0: except I wonder I mean I don't want to be oh doom and gloom but I wonder I think if you leave like desert it's quite hard for it to Mm. come back so it it really I think depends what we leave in our wake as to how much it can replenish with the laws Mm. of nature you know And, and that's the thing I think I would like to think about is, I don't see humanity kind of um, suddenly doing a U-turn. You know, that's the thing that I find difficult. Um, it's a wee bit like that, don't make up, You know, yeah,
1: it is.
0: <laughs> but with it. the kind yeah. of, but with the kind of, you know, destroying nature sort of version, if you know what I mean. What do you do anyway? It's just I think it's good to talk about it and think about it because the more people talk about it and think about it, then the more chance you've got of doing something about it. But
1: yeah, it's it's strange. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. It really is, and the arrogance is really yeah. strange. the 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 use of those things in your album were really powerful for me. So the so the use of bird song oh, the use of rivers, and the sound of the sea, and those kind of things mm-hmm. really really bring it to life and 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 build and this wonderful picture that you kind of you're, you're taken off somewhere else when you're listening to it. It's magical. But that, yeah. I'm guessing well, that was the intention you. as well to kind of weave in the nature to the LP.
0: Yeah, it's totally. To be the voice, it's like um, it's almost like you're duetting with nature a wee bit. I guess the lyricism with sound almost if that mm. makes sense but yeah no totally it's like a map you're, you're collaborating with that I suppose yeah
1: I imagined you wandering around the moors and like you mentioned the Hebrides like the outer Hebrides with a little tape recorder collecting all these field recordings and stuff was that how mm. some of it worked?
0: Yes, that was exactly how <laughs> I <was surprised. laughs>
1: You and your wellies in a big coat, it's freezing cold, and I'm imagining you're there with your phone or a little Zoom recorder thing recording stuff. Yeah, it exactly was. It.
0: Yeah, it was oh, brilliant. Yeah, no, it was. And I got up quite early. I went up to the cottage on my own and got up quite early and just went for this mad walk around the coast of the island. And then, um, yeah, I was like streams and cliffs and yeah and collecting sounds it was really magical it was like it's so weird suddenly you can sort of turn a kind of a corner of sorts around a cliff and suddenly you can't record anything because it's like a first ten gale or something <laughs> that wasn't evident when you started your walk but and I actually recorded quite a bit in edinburgh there's some seriously beautiful bird song not far um so i kind of went out here as well and then just dumped everything onto two-inch tape and castle sound and just tried to get rid of the the wind kind of like nuked the signals and see what was left and then make something with the with the clips that were left so brilliant
1: well it's a remarkable piece of work obviously you mentioned the hannah connection and paul recommending it to you what did paul say about the album then when he heard it
0: yeah he loved it he loved it so I, i i sent him the hannah tracks early just because of his kind of being part of that in a way yeah he was really he's so supportive but he was like wow and he said he mentioned Vashti Bunyan and yeah he was really 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 lovely about it and then he said in Mojo at the end of the year you know they say what is your favorite albums of the year or whatever but he had Hannah Peel and my album in there as well so yeah
1: Nice, nice well, I have to ask you More recently than that There's this um, brilliant remix That's come out of one of the tracks The penultimate track on the album Love Died in Our Arms How the heck did this out? I mean, I love I'm a big fan of the On You Sound record label So anything yeah. to do with Lee Scratch Perry I love This kind of came out of nowhere Suddenly one day on your social media It's like Oh yeah, by the way this was And this was the final work of Lee Scratch Perry. He remixed the track. I know. <laughs> Bloody hell.
0: I know, I know. Well, he had put on Twitter that he was looking to do some remixes. And that was how I found out that he would always... It actually, it was Anton Newcomb, because I'm working oh. with Anton on a project. And I mean, one dub... I mean, I dub has been an influence since the very beginning. And actually, like, I was thinking back, thinking... Because obviously he invented that genre mm. and and so much like because even on people funny boys arguably the first ever sample of a baby crying and stuff and it's just like wow anyway and obviously these reggae and dub being the precursor and to so many different genres or the parent of musical children or whatever they say you know yeah. so yeah i reached out to him and he had a listen and said yes and and was so lovely and like started remixing the song. And then I wrote to him to ask how it was going. There'd been a wee bit of a, a space of a gap. And he wrote back and said, oh, yeah, no, it's going really well. And then I was just waiting. I just didn't want to kind of, you know, put any pressure at all sort of thing. So, yeah, just I just left that. And then and then. Then suddenly it was in the play. It was on Twitter that he'd passed away. Anton texted me to see, because I'd come out of the cinema with my kids, actually it was in the summer and then got this text and I was like, oh no, that's, you know, What devastating! And I just thought I wouldn't ask about. I just let it let it be. Obviously, just forget the mix, and you know. But then his wife wrote to me and said um that it was the last thing that he worked on in his life. And yeah, mad.
1: Wow, that's so that's so special to have that as a final thing, isn't it? Gosh, I mean, remarkable artist, and just I mean, by the sounds of things, everything he did in the studio, yeah, so prolific, but completely bonkers in terms of his way of working. But so. Brilliant. Some mm-hmm. a lot of the output. And even like Bob Marley's best stuff came from me, you know, from working yeah. working with Spanish Barry right so.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know. And and I guess it's that maybe with that mindset goes that capacity to invent, you know, and mm. even like before finding out that he was up for doing a remix and asking and stuff, I'd um, got a space echo out in the studio, recorded something, played it through all the live recorded and printed yeah. all the effects through the tape echo and then took out the original signal, then used the Dub effect to just become the part and everything. Like, That's all him. You know what I mean? Like, and it's things that you take for granted. Well, I take for granted to a degree, like just knowing a that you can do that do you know what I mean but he's yeah. invented that and people you know it's like a technique yeah if it wasn't for
1: him like really innovating and messing about and, and, then yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah hey doll this has been so lovely I've loved speaking to you I have to say the album's brilliant I'll put it in the Thank show you. notes as well and links and details to it as well but I have two Thanks. final questions for you before you go so you're allowed one Paul Weller song for the rest of your life it can be the jam the style council or solo what are you going to go with?
0: I think it would be you do something to me Ah. Well, it's just always made me want to cry. I just love that song.
1: And then final question. So the purpose of this podcast is to meet amazing people like yourself, to talk to people who have these connections with Paul and have done over the years. But it's also for me to get the interview with Paul Weller that I never managed during my radio career. If it happens at the end of this podcast series, what should I talk to him about? What should I ask him? Oh, my gosh.
0: I guess if there were any musical aspirations that he... What would be his dream to fulfill because where do you go i'd be interested to know
1: it's amazing isn't it because you think after i mean gosh i get bored of stuff every few weeks it's like you know after 45 years still having that desire to want to make new music and want to Mm. keep pushing forward and keep continuing with new stuff is incredible
0: Mm -hmm. yeah no totally but i suppose that's i suppose that's the mindset of an artist isn't it like he's going to keep keep mining and keep Mm. exploring and and Inventing, yeah.
1: And are you already working on new music? Are we in so are we are we going to have a bit as big a gap next time around? Or
0: no, I don't think there will be such a big gap. I'm quite a few songs into some other projects, like it will be an album, but as I said before, like quite often you get you think you've got a plan for it and then you end up yeah. elsewhere. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I, have rough, I have a rough plan,
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I look forward Sorry. to the culmination of that. But um, Dot, this has been lovely. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate Thanks. it.
0: Thank you, bye.
1: My thanks once again to the brilliant Dot Allison for joining me on the podcast. Find out more on my website, Paulwellerfanpodcast.com. All the show notes, all the links to this episode there as well. Plus news since we recorded that conversation of a new five track EP of remixes of songs from her critically acclaimed 2021 album Heart Shaped Scars, including that Lee Scratch Perry remix, along with Anson Newcomb, St. Essien, The Anchorus, and Loman Campbell. It's called The Entangled Remix EP. You can find out more details on my website in the show notes for this podcast, PaulwellerfanPodcast.com. And whilst you're there, if you fancy buying me a virtual coffee or digging into some of our merchandise, yes, we have teas and sweatshirts and shopping bags galore, just go to the store on my website, paulwellafanpodcast.com. Don't forget, share this episode of the podcast in your social media channels. It all helps to spread the word. You can get in touch on Twitter, at WellerFanPod, or on Instagram and Facebook, Paul Weller Fan Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast. because next up, next episode, I am delighted to be joined by musician, singer-songwriter, composer, and record producer, Rod Argent. A career spanning more than 50 years, Rod was the founder, the keyboardist, the leader of the English rock band The Zombies. You're going to love this one, trust me. Make sure you follow and subscribe. And thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.